Some people work in nine to five jobs. I am one of the lucky ones. Somehow I landed in the dream job. Welcome to Tales of a Luxury Yacht Chef. Hi, I'm Lisa Mead, and for the past 27 years, I've been working on luxury super yachts in the Caribbean, the Mediterranean, and my home turf of Australia. I've cooked for royalty, heads of state, celebrities, and all walks of life. I'm going to be talking to crew, past charter guests, and loads of people that are connected to the global yachting community. We're going to hear amazing fun stories and also lots of useful information and tips. So welcome aboard. I'm always keen to find out how my chef guests left land to join the yachting industry. On today's podcast, I'll be chatting about that and much, much more with Chef Nikki Smith. Hello, Nikki. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Lovely to hear your voice. Lovely to hear yours. Now, you, I believe, are talking to me from a pretty exciting location. Where are you at the moment? I'm in Mallorca, uh, right at the end on the northwest tip, overlooking Dragonera, actually. It's a beautiful little anchorage. But I'm in a house, not on a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but that sounds amazing. I've, I've been lucky enough to have a couple of experiences chartering there. And there's a place, and I don't know if you know of this, but I'll describe it. So we did a charter years ago, and you come in by water, and there's like these kind of caves in the rock, and it's like a little bay, and then there's a gap between these two rock formations where they do live performances because the acoustics are perfect for things like opera and singing do you know that yeah I've heard I've heard about it but I haven't been whenever whenever we come home uh to our house it's literally for six or seven weeks and and we sit here and go oh because it's hurricane season we've left the yacht and we just chill we don't we actually haven't done any touristy things or sightseeing at all and and that's really bad of me to say that because we've actually owned this place for now I think this is our seventh year oh wow but I think we've we've spent very few weeks and when we do come if we're not resting then we're we're actually refurbing the house and um I've just literally yesterday emptied cupboards that still have all the previous owner's stuff in it because I hadn't got around to cleaning it out anything (laughs) interesting in any of the cupboards I found a map, um, a chart of Andrach from 1964. Wow. Uh, very delicate. So I kind of folded that back up and thought, I won't put that in recycling. Not this week. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that's incredible. I guess I should start from the very beginning and ask you where you were born. I was born in Guildford, but as a baby, uh, within a few months, was taken to uh, Guernsey in the Channel Islands. So I grew up in the Channel Islands. I've actually got my local license. I, well, I don't know if it's still valid, but I am actually a Gurn now. That is so cool. Tell me, tell me what that area is well known for. It's, well, it was a tax haven and growing freesias and tomatoes and greenhouses, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you, do you have any cool memories from growing up there? No, it's, I mean, it's an amazing place to grow up. Uh, all the little islands, Herm and Sark and Alderney. Uh, my wedding, we got married in Herm, actually. Well, we got married on Guernsey and then went to Herm for the reception. Um, just incredible, uh, an amazing place to grow up. Both my mum and my dad are yacht masters. We had a yacht. There was always a boat in the garden or on the drive or luckily, occasionally one was in the water. And um, they would put me in the dinghy and throw uh, crisps and biscuits at me because I was a bit of a whiny child and didn't <laughs> like the wind. So they put me as far away from them as possible and that was towing me behind in the dinghy. 
Oh, that sounds like such a great way to grow up. Describe the terrain. Is it is it um, green and mountainous or or how, what does it look like? I, I'm embarrassed to say that I've not seen any pictures. You've not been to the Channel Islands? No. Um, <laughs> beautiful beaches. Uh, I do remember that. Um, uh, very flat. I mean, it's certainly not mountainous. Flat. It's, uh, you know, it's not. Um, did you not watch Bergerac? That was based in Jersey. No, but now I'm going to have to. Silence. (laughs) You should. Now, if you'd said if I watched Outlander, which I did during the pandemic, I can tell you all about that area. (laughs) And my future husband, Jamie. That's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you're growing up there and obviously sailing played a big part with your parents being so into it. Um, what, what was, when did the interest in cooking begin? Interesting cooking. It didn't really. Um, I was never going to be a chef, never thought about being a chef. Didn't want to do anything on boats. Um, I did the, the usual thing that, that most semi-intelligent people do after leaving school in Guernsey was join the bank, banking world. So I started in that West. So, uh, and what were you doing yeah. there? What type of work? Uh, well, you start in the machine room, basically processing checks back in the day when it was done the old-fashioned way, and um, sending telexes and faxes. And I never actually made it onto the, the cashier desk because uh, by then I'd met my husband and we'd got pregnant. And, uh, so I became a, a mum at home for a little uh-huh. while. And how many kids do you have? I have two. Um, I actually have four because I now count their uh, partners as mine. <laughs> and uh, and I also have a granddaughter who's going to be five next week. Wow. That mm. is super cool. That That's yeah, amazing. So obviously a mum for a bit, but then I believe you decided, and I don't know the sequence of this, but you you had two really interesting businesses. I know one was a recruitment agency and the other was a, a boutique b and b can you tell me about those yeah they um i was asked to help out in an office we actually moved to the uk uh for my husband's work he uh, we have a we actually still have um a company for uh building and renting out flats we still own that oh, wow. um so we were in the uk yeah we were in the uk uh, he was doing that. I was asked to just um, doing the school run. One of the mums was frantic and just, I said, oh, what's up with you? And she said, oh, I just need some help in the office. And it was a recruitment agency. So I went and did a week in there. And then we decided, <laughs> we plotted immediately to to um, to set up our own recruitment agency, which we did. Um, and it just, it was massive. It just grew so fast. It was incredible. That, that got so big, uh, very challenging. We, well, I sold it. She left. Um, she had marital problems. Oh, my gosh. Very deep and intense. She left. Uh, <laughs> I, we, we buttoned up the company and we sold it. I mean, literally within two years, we got rid of it. And um, we put the money into uh, refurbing out. We had this beautiful old house called Tickridge Castle. Um, and actually, uh, the barn next to it is in the Doomsday Book. That's how old these houses wow. were. Where, yeah, they are amazing. The house is just stunning, but coming down around our ears, it was, you know, the proper money pit. Yeah. Um, so we put the money that I made from the recruitment agency into finishing off this this beautiful house, Tickridge Castle, and um, we built uh, we built some garages and just updated the stables and things, and we decided to uh, let out the room above the garage which you know ideally if, if we had been super rich people would be where your groom would live or your nanny but 
right. weren't those kind of people. <laughs> um, and fortunately for us, we were right next to Glyndebourne, uh, well, very close to Glyndebourne. So we'd have a lot of people coming down for the opera. Um, so that book, it booked up super quick. We literally opened it, started the website, and emails were just beginning in, in the world then. And, and then one, we'd, we'd set it all up and we'd sat down. And a couple of weeks later, we said, oh, we should check the, um, the website thingy. <laughs> <laughs> all these bookings. <laughs> and you should have seen a scramble. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh, people are coming tomorrow. <laughs> so you, you, were, you were saying that obviously you did breakfast what type of breakfast would you do what would be a typical breakfast that you'd provide um well I was I had no idea how to run this thing I was making it up as I went uh, I mean I'm literally just a mummy that cooks you know that's how it all began yes um so I gave them a sheet and they could choose what they wanted but it wasn't you know this wasn't a big concern it was only couples or at the most two couples so it was, you know we're not talking about 20 people piling in for breakfast at 9 right. 30 um but I, I did end up you know, cooking several different types of eggs at the same time. And that's why now breakfast on a yacht for me is just my jam. I love it. it nothing phases me. Breakfast, I'll do breakfast all day long. You tell me how you want your eggs. Can Not I ask you to come in and do my breakfast then? <laughs> I'd love to. If I could just do breakfast. <laughs> I, you know, you see on below decks where the chefs throw everything out, out the out the pram because of yeah. breakfast. Like they meant no peppers in an omelette, peppers in an omelette, uh, you know, <laughs> soft. That's me. I can do poached egg, omelettes. I could do it all in one, one, one hit. Love it. No problems with it. <laughs> well, I take my hat off to you for sure. Um, and so you, you, you did this for a while. So how do you, you leap from these land-based businesses to then the yachting industry? The yacht. Well, by then the children had grown up. We needed to tip our son out of his nest. So on the top floor, he had literally a pretty amazing setup on the top floor of Dickridge Castle. And uh, I think he was 17 or 18. No, he must have been a bit older than that. Um, and obviously at breakfast, I would just send him up breakfast. So <laughs> this kid would be going just, anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So we sold it. We sold the house <laughs> and he had to move. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that was we pretty do, smart. We love him. <laughs> um, poor Scotty. Yeah. So uh, our daughter had moved out. She, she had moved out with her partner. So, um, and, yeah, so we sold the house. Uh, we bought this place in Mallorca and um, we also bought a yacht, a little 42-foot uh, Geno, and we picked it up in Lisbon. Um, Scotty came with us, obviously, because he did yeah. that. And then we started sailing up, up the, the coast and got to Gibraltar. So we did lots of things on the boat. So this is my first, our first year on the yacht. So I forget to mention my husband also is a yacht master, ocean master. I don't know. I seem to find them. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's what happened. So I quickly became um, a yachty. So that when you owned your own boat, were you chartering that out with guests on board for term charters or day sales, or was that oh more gosh, just for fun? No, absolutely not. It was just for fun, just literally cruising up. We, I mean, we'd, we'd sold this house. Um, it was a beautiful big house. We'd done lots of work. We'd invest a lot of time and effort and money into it, so it was, it was time. We took a gap year, basically, ah. my husband and I. We took a gap year. That's what we were doing. Um, and we were just having a, a lovely time and I was learning about boats. I mean, didn't want to learn about boats, but there was me learning about boats and <laughs> tying knots and putting up sails. And actually, I will tell you that the first uh, thing I tried to cook in this galley was uh, a chicken. 
And uh, as soon as the oven got up to temperature, the whole thing blew up on me. So I was oh, absolutely God. terrified of, of ovens on yachts. Terrified. So, so what, what happened? Did the, was it a gas oven? Propane? <sighs> yeah, I think so. And I think maybe, um, maybe it had been hit before. Maybe they'd been in, in rough water. Maybe a casserole dish had smashed or cracked and I hadn't noticed. Maybe there was a weakness. Maybe it's just something that happens. But it literally the whole the whole thing just blew up. Oh God. Um, yeah, it was awful. Um, I, I, and I, I and I don't know why. I, I'm like you too. I mean for me it's barbecues. I've had a few situations where things have just gone boom and I yeah. <laughs> lost lost some mm. eyebrows there along the way. So I'm always keen to have one of the other crew light the, the, the grill for me so that <laughs> If if anything untoward happens, at least I'm stepping back a bit for for that. Yeah, it's a captain's job, isn't it? Like yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you you you've got that lovely boat. You've had your gap year, and mm. what made you enter into the charter yacht industry? Well, um, it was suggested to us by friends we'd met along the way that we were very into entertaining because obviously we'd had Sigridge Castle and, and we'd done the BNB. We'd also had a couple of rock festivals there as well. So we love entertaining. We love having people over. And it was friends in Gibraltar that we met um, just said, you, you know, this is a job. You could be paid to do this. And, and we didn't know. But then we started to watch the yachts coming and going in and out of Gibraltar and and. um we we decided to give it a go, and, and funny enough, we 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 got drunk and we wrote out our CVs. We just got drunk. We had some glass of wine, and <laughs> we gave ourselves superpowers on our CVs, <laughs> and we sent our CVs to the kids and said, "What do you think?" And they said, "Yeah, it's good, Mum and Dad, but take off the superpowers." <laughs> <laughs> I think they edited it and we sent it out to actually just to trade winds and um and they they were on the phone the next day and just said yes we'd love to meet you which was crazy um, and, was and, that's, trade and that's where it began out of gibraltar or in the no, caribbean no this was trade winds in greece uh we only did a couple of months we actually that's not we did a couple of months there but we just we just got our training we learned about the role but trade winds i don't know if you know it but you you sell points don't you you, you yes. basically you're selling to share on the boat and and we didn't know we just oh no this is this isn't for us yeah <laughs> I don't think I could do this um and so we wandered around the corner we're in Greece I don't even ask don't ask me where I mean I've just blanked it all out I don't know so long ago and we walked around the corner and there was the moorings and Sunsail putting all their beautiful flags because we literally all were done with trade winds just moved their yachts from off the hard to wherever they were going to start the charters from. Right. Honestly, I can't remember where it was. Anyway, so uh, we, we popped our head into the, uh, into the moorings office, uh, met a lovely young lady there, and she said, Polly Bannister would love to hear from you. You two are perfect. Um, so we literally picked up the phone to her. And Polly's a wonderful person, so if anyone is ever is interested in starting this way, Polly Bannister is your, your lady to meet if she's still there. And, um, and she said, yeah, come come and see me uh and we did she was in Surbiton so we hopped on a plane and we and she asked us to take some food and maybe that's another story so so you, do you <laughs> remember your the the first destination and the first charter do you have any recall on vaguely on I that? do I oh yeah no definitely that, that will stay with me forever we uh Polly kindly put us into St Martin in the Caribbean and uh our first yacht was on reasonably determined a 48 foot cat and our first pickup was no pressure um a young couple's honeymoon from St Bart's oh boy mm -hmm. 
That would have they been. They were adorable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think honeymoon charters are always really, well, I've yet to have a bad one because they're in, they're obviously in mm. such a high from the wedding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a, a nice start. So at that point, were you pretty comfortable with getting food out for the charter? <laughs> no. <laughs> so that literally was my first charter ever. Wow. With somebody's honeymoon and the first time cooking um, on, the, not that we also cook for ourselves on the yacht, but uh, uh, it was, and it was fine because they were, they were beautiful people. They were young. They, they were, like you said, they're on their, their, their honeymoon high and they didn't need us to entertain them in any way. They just wanted some good food and um, they were very interested in learning how to sail the yacht, actually. So that was great. I didn't yeah. have to do much in that department. <laughs> In the early days, do you do you recall what would have been some of the biggest hurdles just in understanding, you know, getting food out? I think it's the provisioning. I mean, once you, the first hurdle is getting that that job, that very first job, someone accepting you because you could have all the qualifications in the world, cooking wise, but cooking on a yacht, as you know, is it's it's a different animal. You know, the the food doesn't cook like it order it. <laughs> Right. Really the yep. ovens don't always work. The fridges will turn themselves off. You know, yes. the freezers will just go on the blink randomly. Who knows whether that's that's working or not half the time. And um, and you can't just nip out for something when something's gone wrong. Uh, it's exactly. Just, so the first hurdle is getting that getting that job and being confident. And then I, I think accepting that you're buying a you know a week or 10 days or two weeks worth of food and and you have to work it out you can't just wing it you have to know what you're cooking and when and using up vegetables before they go out absolutely nikki you know? reminding me um just recently you know i had a bit of a break obviously with covid and and relocating back to australia be more land-based with with cooking and um i just come back from a a 18-day job on a, a boat in Fiji and and it was an area that I'd visited once just as a um, tourist and the amount of homework that I had to do before joining the boat because it's so different to any um, chartering that I've ever done before in that, you know, I needed to have a provisioning agent and because my clients were very high-end, everything had to be flown in from other countries like Australia and New Zealand, mm. obviously close to Fiji, but there was a lot of time involved in pre-organising these lists of, of food, making sure that that was all arriving on time and then, you know, source, finding out where to go to markets to get local stuff. Um, yeah. It's just so much homework. And and the tricky part, you know, in, in, the, in the Caribbean, the BVI is obviously where I've been based the most. I could do it with my eyes shut from a provisioning point of view, but in, in in this trip, because obviously it was quite a long trip, I needed to be able to contact that provisioning agent and then find out what island that we would be at where there was a ferry yeah. service or a seaplane and then make sure that we were there at the right time to collect, you know, midway through or towards the end of the trip, things that I'd run low on. And it was just logistically tricky, really tricky. So mm. Yeah, it just uh, <laughs> made me appreciate the British Virgin Islands a lot, but I really enjoyed the experience. But, but yes, yeah, so I, I, I can, mm, can imagine but that the BVI is 
the BVIs can let you down as well. I mean, I've had weeks where you can't even get get bananas or lemons and lime. Yes, you, yes. They, when they when they sell out, they sell out, and that's it. They don't grow anything or produce anything themselves, really. And the BVI, <laughs> especially at Christmas time. Oh gosh, that's tricky for sure. Yeah, we're talking about obviously food on boats and um, hurdles that you might go through. Every every chef on a boat has had a food failure. But it's really how you turn it around to make it work for you. Can you think of any that might have occurred for you? You know, touch words, honestly, I've not had a food failure. Um, but in saying that, I'm I always prepared for a food failure and it's mainly with desserts. There's always spare desserts in my freezer, or there's a part of a meal prepped and in the freezer. And and yeah, I've never had to pull it out. I guess maybe I've done it because I thought, well, what if I'm ill? Right. And the crew have to put something on the table. So there's always something in the freezer that could be heated and then just You've got a plan B. There's, a, there's always a plan B in the back of my mind. And actually on the last yacht I was on, um, the owners wanted desserts every lunch and dinner. So it was 14 desserts a week. Yes. Um, and they were on board for six weeks. And I was trying to obviously keep it fresh and different. I wasn't repeating menus. So that was a lot of desserts to think about. Um, yes. It's amazing what you come up with. So as you're going back to the food fails, no, I'm sorry. I don't have any great stories on that one. Oh, I, I was, I helped out with a couple. Um, I was their stew just to give them a hand. And she didn't, she made beautiful desserts. Actually, she did make me rethink my dessert game. Um, and she dropped all her desserts. <gasps> uh, on the floor and the captain and I, the captain was her husband and we looked at each other and just said, God, that wasn't us. <laughs> that she did it. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, I mean, watching her just wipe the tears away and take a deep breath. And, and she just started again. And I thought, well, yeah, that's, you know, we've got a lot to do. And quite often there isn't enough hours in the day to do all these meals. And, and sometimes you just have to let it go and just do a basic a basic bread and butter pudding if that's what you've got to do. Absolutely. You do, don't you? Yeah. I, I think, you know, I look at all the cooking competition shows where they give, oh. you know, random ingredients and I think all yacht chefs could nail those shows just because yes. of what you mentioned because earlier. that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just the job every day basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you look at you look at the sprouts at the bottom of the fridge and think, well, what can I do with those? How can I make those dessert? <laughs> you <yes. laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah. So how how would you describe your culinary style? I think I'm very much Mediterranean, as in I like fresh food, which again BVI doesn't happen, but um I it's certainly not complicated. Right. It's not a complicated culinary style. So I would prefer to work Mediterranean style with fresh fish vegetables etc as salads well that's super yummy for sure mm. i i know personally that i'm always scouring social media to to see new techniques and um styles of cooking that that are out there is there anything that you're into at the moment uh plating i love watching the way things are plated just just because obviously we're reinventing the wheel but yes. over and over again aren't we it's not like we have new 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 foods coming out all the time that we can create wonderful you know a spaghetti squash is a spaghetti squash but um i loved 
seeing that you know back we used to cut it lengthways didn't we and roast it and, and make it all go spaghetti but then I saw somebody and I've been doing it ever since cutting it into rings and using and leaving the skin on and roasting it that way and then you can stick your steak or fish on so it's got this like own natural plating ring oh I, I like that. that idea I think it's really cool it's on my Instagram it's genius isn't it it's just <laughs> such a clever idea and I like cucumber running running strips of cucumber around the plating ring and, and then you have this perfect little cucumber basket appearing and I, beautiful yes. yeah I, I, I'm like you I, I'm obsessed with plating um you know uh instagram or whatever it might be pinterest i just get lost in the world of plating before i know it it's midnight night get lost in the scroll (laughs) yeah exactly are there there any chefs that inspire you i mean it could be famous it could be just someone that's in our industry anyone that you know you, you look at their stuff and go oh god that's amazing yeah, um, I think all the girls and gents on Chefs Helping Chefs, you know, on our on our, yes. on our group, which I'm sure you're part of. Yes. Um, I love, I love every day that's, you know, just a breath of fresh air when somebody plates something amazingly and puts a photo. But also the what the, the ones that, that are happy to talk on, you know, on our group and just say, I've got this problem. It's nice that you realise you're not the only ones with problems. So all the ladies and gents out there, the Caribbean doing what we do in those uh, situations and you're right that that Facebook page is is a brilliant thing Um, it's a lifeline isn't it Melissa who who created it who's a yacht chef but now Mm. land-based is a a saint for doing that because it really is you know life support like you said and it could even be something that's not food related but you just need someone's ear and you you know all the girls and guys pop up and vent yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> yeah. just a private place to do that, which is just incredible for yeah. sure. It is a safe, a safe place, fortunately. Which Definitely, you can't find these days if you need to, if you need to talk. Yes. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you describe any uh, charters over the years, good or bad, that stand out to you? You never have a bad charter, you know that. You have challenging charters, but you don't have a bad charter. <laughs> um, really? I think, <laughs> yes, yes, I'm about it. Um, uh, good, I mean, I think every chart I've loved, I would say 95% of my charter life, I've, I've loved my guests. I love it when uh, they arrive or I pick them up from wherever. And I say, when, when, do you, when did you book this? Or when did you start thinking about this? And when you get told, oh, two years ago or a year ago, we put this in the diary and we've been thinking about it and we've all gathered together every weekend to talk about it and discuss. And no matter how tired you are or how many 24-hour turnarounds you've done, you know this, this week or these 10 days has been on this family or group of friends agenda for this long and it's so important to them that you pull it out of the bag don't you 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 make it the best possible week for them that you can absolutely you oh for sure now you, you're talking about um obviously chefing on yachts what do you think makes your charters stand out from other charters what do you do that's special oh, that's a question isn't it um <laughs> I'm always willing I never say no you know if they if somebody asks for something specific I will I will do my best to make it happen I really will 
And I'd like to think I'm not a grumpy face in the galley. I know, you know, chefs can be notoriously grumpy. I would like to think that I do try and have a smile on my face. Um, anyone is welcome into my galley. I'm not one of those, here's a line, do not cross it. Yeah. I actively encourage anyone to come in and ask me how I did something, how I've created be it a cookie or a, a bread or, you know, a sauce. I will let people try. As I walk past, I'm, hey, try this. What do you think? Do you like it? Um, especially if I've got tricky eaters, I get them on board immediately by saying, come in, come into the galley and talk to me. Tell me what it is you don't like, what it is you do like. That's, that's such a good thing to do because, yeah, I mean, if you can make that particular person happy, then everyone else is because, you know, they can yeah. relax and yeah. know that you're okay. Yeah. yeah. I you know, we're talking, it, this wasn't a bad chatter, but it was just tricky. I, I had a lady years ago, it was, uh, she was a, um, she worked in the medical field, but all the rest of the people on board were um, stewards from an airline. So she was the only lady and then the rest were all guys. And they were really lovely people, but she had a, a list a mile long of um, very, very severe medical conditions that were basically eat this and she will die. And she'd oh. never been on a holiday in her life because she couldn't trust anywhere she went to do what she said because, you know, they'll, mm. you know, restaurants are notorious for saying, oh, yes, we won't, we'll separate, you know, mm -hmm. the fish or whatever it is from this, that and the other. And, I mean, she had citrus allergies, nut allergies, seafood allergies. Wow. Any, any I don't know what it was that she actually could eat, but she was such a lovely lady. And so I basically had her with me in the every time I was preparing her meal, I made her look at every single thing, every ingredient, if there was a sauce mm. that I was using, reading all the fine print. And we got through the week. She didn't die, um, which was <laughs> great because it would have sucked on my CV. Um, but <laughs> she she was so she was in tears. She said, this is the first time I've been on a holiday in a long time where I just was completely comfortable knowing I was going to be okay and I mean that was such a win for obviously her and, yeah. and me I think I I had a vacation after that charter <laughs> <laughs> you'd need it for sure yeah. yeah but uh you're, you're right you know if you can if you can tap into the person that has some difficulties um generally that kind of smooths things out for everybody I find yeah definitely yeah. So when you're not working on boats or you're not cooking for other people, what's your go-to favourite thing to eat when you go out? Um, I have become one of those people that are tricky to take out because I'd always prefer to cook my own food now. I wow. like the way I cook. Um, but uh, actually our neighbours, little Spanish couple, elderly couple, um, invited us around for dinner last, last year when we were here. And she... She served me as an appetizer um, a chilled soup, and I have not stopped preparing it since. It literally was a chilled uh, cantaloupe melon, I think, soup, and it blew me away in wow. its simplicity and how, because it was really hot at the time, how refreshing that was. And it, and it was a simple. So I've I've played around with it now, and I've I add in some little extras to give it a bit more of a pop and. Um, I think so. That's my most recent thing that's just blown me away. But I don't. New York has got some amazing restaurants. Oh yes, um, you won't get a bad meal here. But it's great to go again for my plating inspiration to get out and, and see things, and also to go around the market. Actually, the markets here are amazing. Mm, definitely. In your travels around the world, has there ever been a, a dining experience that stands out to you that you've had? 
stands out. Look, uh, well, I try and eat in nice places, but I think, no, my best meals, my best meals are if I'm hanging out with, with family and then with other chefs. You know, when you get a couple of days off and you realise that X and X and X are also, they're all off at the same time and you all pull together and you sit on the back of one of the yachts and, and those are usually invariably the best meals. And you always end up learning something, don't you? Absolutely. Somebody's always come with something that you're like, oh, gosh, that's genius. Yeah. yeah. So, no, sorry, I can't think of my mind's gone blank on. I mean, I have had some great food, but it's not going to come to me right now. It's too early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a, a, a dining experience um, a, a little while ago here in Australia. There's a, um, it's actually in a suburban house and it's called Through the Laundry. And basically, um, it's, sort of modern Indian cuisine, but you you walk through their laundry door and then you go into their house and it's just a dining room table in their house and you watch them in the kitchen preparing and cooking like a degustation dinner. And it's yeah. just incredible. Like everything is, you know, obviously freshly made. They grow a lot of their own produce and it's very modernised and just incredible. For me, I love sort of dining with a twist like something that's just a little yeah. left of center that that to me is really interesting yeah and so you right now are in a position where you're considering heading back into the yachting industry yes yeah we we Allure got our last yacht has just been sold um it was the end of the season so we've come home to to have a little think uh, about where we'd like to go next because we were thinking we've done I think six years, seven years in the Caribbean now, basically around the BVI, um, Grenada, et cetera. So we were thinking, well, maybe we should move on. But I don't want to charter in the Med, strangely. I think it's the whole, um, what I love about the Caribbean is that it's dark by 6.30, 7 o'clock, <laughs> isn't it? And you can never, inevitably get your guests to bed by 10 um, yeah. because it's dark. Whereas the Med, it's a, it's a different kettle of fish. Everyone's, you know, they don't start their evening meal to 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. Oh, gosh, I'm too tired for this. Oh, I, I hear you 100%. That's my worst nightmare. It's like, no, really, no. Late, late eaters, yeah. When you get the Spanish on board, you know, and you're oh. saying, oh, yeah, we'll have lunch at 3 and then dinner at 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I know. And, I mean, Latin people are amazing, wonderful people, but, yes, their, their dining habits are mm. a, a little tricky for, for us chefs that already have a, a long yeah. day on a, on, a, on a normal day. <laughs> but exactly that, yeah. So, uh, yes, back to that, we, we, we don't know where, where we're going next, um, but we'll figure it out. We've got some offers, some ideas on the table. We're just Excellent. Mulling well, that, them over. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Um, this is a question that I, I pose to all of my guests, and that is if if you could be a guest on any kind of boat in any destination, what sort of boat and where would you like to be? I think first off, I would be a terrible guest um, <laughs> because I would always see what's not been done and what should be done. I, I would just be the worst. I mean, even working, walking around our own yard, I'm always like, oh, that's grubby. I'll give that a quick polish. And Oh, he <laughs> needs a drink. And um, I don't know that I would be a good guest because I wouldn't relax. Uh, but Fiji, I mean, I've been watching your Instagram posts. Um, I would <laughs> like to, to go there. It is there. beautiful. I'd, yeah, it looks stunning. Um, as a type of yacht, it has to be a very clean one because I'm a bit of a fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's good. 
<laughs> Any specific style of boat? Would you be into a sailing yacht or more of a motor yacht or catamaran? Oh, I, this is awful, but I am. I like to turn a key and go. I, I, I bear in mind that I, I earn my living from sailboats. I actually hate sailing. <laughs> the whole turning into the wind to put the sails up. That's what a, a waste of my life. That's <laughs> that, that's a dark secret you've just exposed there, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> why aren't you want you should, you should, your next job should be a motorcat yeah but then i'll then i'll be well we've done motorcats actually but oh, um, then i'll be worried worrying about the environment ah. <laughs> burning all that money on fuel i it can't please me <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're, we're looking at possibly a motorboat for your your trip as a guest possibly yes <laughs> that sounds pretty that well i i can definitely recommend fiji i think that's a, a, a great suggestion for sure um when you when you're not uh, on boats and I, this is something i'm not sure if you still do but um you competed in horse dressage can you tell me a little bit about that yeah um my father is a blacksmith and farrier um so we well, horses were always part of the picture. Um, when we moved to the U- UK, despite what in the Channel Islands, I always had ponies growing up. I was really lucky. Um, in the UK, we I could spend a little bit more money on on a better horse, and um, dressage was my thing. I was too old to throw myself around cross country courses. I decided. Um, <laughs> so dress, dressage seemed the safe option. Um, and I loved it. I had this beautiful seventeen-hand uh, Gelderland. I called I called him Charlie Horse, and um, he probably should have been in a dog food tin uh, before he reached the age of two because he was <laughs> deemed dangerous by most people. <laughs> um, but I won him over, and and he became the horse of a lifetime. And actually, my trainer, uh, my trainer was. Uh, Vicky Thompson, who was in the uh, Olympic dressage team, her wow. groom Miranda um, took took him on when when I started the recruitment agency. Um, I've been going up a level every every year with Charlie Horse. We've got to uh, advanced dressage, so just on the Peace and George, and um, it, it was stagnating mainly because I had this job now, and it seemed to be a waste of a horse of a lifetime, basically. So I gave Charlie Horse to. Miranda, who was Vicky Thompson's groom, and um, actually she she decided to downgrade him. Decided he'd actually reached his limits with me. He'd he'd reached what he was happy doing within his dressage career himself. So she downgraded him, which was the best thing. He had a very long life then, teaching um, other people to, to to love dressage. Oh, uh, wow. he, he was amazing. He was only he was actually put to sleep just a few years ago, and mm. she cried, and, and everyone cried because he. So many people then were getting in touch with me saying that he was their horse of a lifetime. He and this was an animal that was deemed dangerous when he arrived on the yard, kicking, biting, attacking, everything. <laughs> oh. I, I'm so envious that that you did that. I mean, I, I've I've always had this fantasy of being able to ride horses, which in reality has not happened at all. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I certainly respect, uh, you know, what you do with the horses, and and it's so impressive to watch. It really is. Whenever the Olympics are on, I, I get fixated on that. It's it's just so beautiful when you see the rider and the horse in motion. It's just very impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think from a little girl, I wanted that. Uh, I want my dream was always to be on the cover of Horse and Hound. 
Um, <laughs> You're making me think of the- Notting Hill, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? I know. I think that, yeah. Anyway, um, I never got on the cover, but uh, I did. I was quite often had write-ups uh, in in the horse and hand in the in the results pages. So. That's so cool. That oh, is amazing. Um, Nikki, if people want to um, see your beautiful food and and you know your your life, how can they uh, follow you on social media? What's the best way to do that? Instagram. I'm not great on Facebook, but Instagram at yachtchef Nikki N I K I. Uh, that's where I post things, things I've created. And that's kind of where I'll put whichever yachts I'm on. I'll put that at the top. That's fantastic. Um, I, I'm a big fan of yours. I, I follow you regularly, and I'm in, so impressed with all the videos that you do with with your cooking. It's it, it is really <laughs> inspiring you. to look at, and I take my hat off to you. I always think I'm I'm going to make a cooking video, but it it just never quite works out that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's harder it than it looks. Actually, trying to to yeah. Well, I, I am so grateful that I've had a chance to speak to you um, since I've been a, a big fan of following you for a while now. So thank you very, very much for taking the time out to chat today. Well, thank you. It's been, it's been fun. Excellent. And I look forward to uh, meeting you in the BBI. <laughs> in person. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I hope that the rest of your day in Mallorca goes very well. I'm very envious of, of where you are. Thank you. And, yeah, have, have a great time and look forward to, to seeing you at some point, hopefully in person in the coming yeah. season. All right, definitely. See you somewhere over Christmas. Wonderful. Have a great day. Thank you, Lisa. Before I go, if you'd like to hear more information on today's podcast or you have any questions at all for me, you can contact me at my website, lisamead.com, L-I-S-A-M-E-A-D.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can even follow me at Chef Lisa Mead on Instagram. Until next time, I'm Chef Lisa Mead and you've been listening to Tales of a Luxury Yacht Chef.